you need a product or business that actually works, that someone wants, right? That's what you want to invest in. And that is what you can see on Dune, whether someone actually uses this stuff. Hi, everyone. This is Growing Web 3, a podcast that uncovers the growth stories behind the most successful crypto, DeFi, DAO, NFT, metaverse, and play-to-earn ecosystems. I'm your host, James RT, and each week I'll be sitting down with founders and experts on Web3 to pick their brains and learn about their growth stories. We'll discuss strategies and tactics to understand how they've grown Web3's billion-dollar protocols and communities. So whether you're in the midst of your own growth story or just getting started, this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we discuss Growing Web3. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Web3. Today, I'm here with Frederick, who is the founder of June Analytics, a Web3 data tool, which um, helps yeah, marketers, growth people, founders, analysts, VCs, everyone understand more about Web3 data. It's based on SQL. And so it's fairly easy to use for people new to the crypto space. And it can give some pretty interesting insights. June recently raised a huge venture round $69,420,000 over a billion dollar valuation. So huge congrats on joining the Unicorn Club. Frederick, it's great to have you on. It'd be great to hear yeah, a little bit more about yourself and how you got to this point. Thank you. I'm an economist by education. I'm Norwegian. I uh, grew up outside of Oslo and I fell down the crypto rabbit hole quite a few years ago. And I think what got me really excited then was just this mind-blowing combination of sort of deep questions around economics and, and money, but also really mind-blowing technology and a really interesting community. So I, I felt it was just this like intellectual rabbit hole full of doers that are building cool things, but also makes you ask really <laughs> deep and, and hard questions. And I studied economics for school and I still sort of Never actually, we never tackled the question of like, what is actually money? What does that mean in a pretty philosophical and practical sense? I appreciated that a lot. I mean, we can talk more about that. But I think one thing that got me really excited is also this prospect of having a financial system that is easy to build on and is for innovators. And I think, you know, initially in the early days of crypto, a lot of the thing was, oh, it will like, you know, help people with inflation and like be any monetary asset and so forth. And I think especially like, you know, in 2015, 16, people in Norway were like, why, why do you care about this crypto stuff? This is so different from like, this is not a problem that you can see or feel. But what actually I found very appealing is to have a financial system that is open and easy to build on and create new products and services and experiences. And of course, that can reach a broader audience, but I think also it's a bit underrated that this is a platform for building on, which I think is also part of how we, we built Dune to, to help facilitate that. But that's a little bit about me. I'm, I'm also a big hip-hop fan and a freestyle skier. Oh, I've seen, I saw one of your skiing videos on Twitter a while back. It was pretty insane. 
I don't know if it was like a front flip or a back flip or something, but yeah, it was super cool. So everyone dig back into his archive and see if you can find it. <laughs> um, I remember we chatted a while back. I'm going to go skiing tonight, actually. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I remember we chatted a while back. You ins- you inspired me to dig into Web3 data and I actually started to learn some SQL. And I built up a, a couple of dashboards as well in June. It was much more straightforward than I expected. I remember you saying like, look, if you can basically follow a YouTube video, YouTube tutorial and stick at it for, you know, a week or so, you'll be able to learn the basics of SQL and kind of get started. That's super cool. So for marketing people, growth people, what are the main differences between Web3 data and Web2 data? The huge difference is that it's all open across the board. That is still sort of very underutilized. If you think about sort of a blockchain in and of itself, it's nodes that verify transactions and then people deploy code to it and people use it. And so there's usage. And essentially this is like a computer, right? So the Ethereum virtual machine and all of the usage of those products is, is publicly accessible because this is a shared global public like backend for, for a program. And then nodes are not made in theory or like they're not made to extract data. They're made to verify transactions. So while the data is open in theory, it's in practice pretty hard to, to get. And essentially that is what we're doing at Dune. We're, we're saying, okay, there's this exciting open data set, but it's practically hard to get. So let, let's make it practically accessible to anyone. And so basically what we're doing is sort of making that data accessible on our website and anyone can go in and you don't have to be a developer. Of course, you can see like everything that anyone's ever done uh, and build on top of that and fork it. And I think the, the insane thing about this is that sort of instead of sort of in every single historical context, data has been mostly like a B2B thing where it's like you look at your product metrics, you look at your advertising metrics, whatever it might be, and it's all like siloed inside of your organization or team. And now we have this radically different world where all of this sort of operating data is open and you can see what the traction of like the whole industry is in real time. And I think the exciting thing about that is that you can learn way quicker what is working or what is not working. Even though, of course, you might not know the data of like the whole stack of some other player, but you can actually see like, okay, what's working for a decentralized exchange? What are the volumes? Who has the most users? And you can just like see that across the whole industry. And I think that's an evolutionary force that's going to let people learn uh, way quicker. It's, it's kind of brutal in one way because you're so exposed when you build something. But also, you don't have to like, you know, make the same mistakes or sort of you can, you can deeply understand what's working and then work from, from that as opposed to, you know, everything being in silos and everything being very sort of closed. So I think that in general is like extremely exciting for people that, that can look into this data and make sense of it and, and build and market or grow uh, and see also what other people are doing and, and how that's working. When it comes to like looking at the industry as a whole, I remember maybe like 18 months ago, two years ago, I think Richard Chen, he created some dashboards around like DeFi as an industry. It was like, how many active users does DeFi have? How much is in 
compound are they all these different protocols and you can just see their growth rates in real time just there and you can check back on them i remember checking back every couple of weeks and you just see like the curve of DeFi users everything just started to go parabolic and it was it was awesome and i mean yeah for for analysts surely this is like their dream come true if they're working the stock market they have to wait for a quarterly report but with june now they can just code some sql check up what's happening on different protocols and then decide where to put their assets. Exactly. And they can leverage everything that anyone ever did before instead of, you know, just think about, yeah, analyzing reports on Wall Street and how like literally like buildings next to each other, there will be a different set of analysts doing sort of essentially the same thing. In crypto, like you can just go on, you can see like 100 plus thousand queries and you can just like look at that directly or build on top of it. And and I think this is a force that sort of we both kind of have on, on the contract layer where, you know, if someone built a smart contract, you can tap into it and a die exists and suddenly like anyone can kind of have dollars in their system instead of just eat. I think that dynamic we have in the data layer as well, where it's like compounding versus like progressing linearly in each camp. So I think that is extremely exciting and yeah, so much opportunity for people that actually embrace this and, and, and are kind of early adapters. It's still very, so there's like, I think it's around 12,000 analysts on Dune right now or that have um, done analysis on Dune. And I think in the grand scheme of things, that's very little. And there's still like a lot of edge, I think, to, to be had if you know your way around and learn some SQL, which I think what's also exciting is that SQL is very powerful, but also like pretty accessible. Like so many non-developers, including myself, <laughs> I learned SQL within for Dune. I'm not a developer, but you can actually learn it. And if you go on Dune and see what other people are doing, you can fork it and tinker with it and you can make your own versions. So it's an amazing way to to get an edge and even as a non-developer. And and you mentioned like growth and, and marketing. And I think also obviously, you know, communities are so important in the space and having these dashboards and metrics that people can engage with and follow, you know, can really drive engagement and reach for what you're doing. Like you can actually, like people can get excited about the stats <laughs> that you sort of from a very, very early stage of a project. Like as long as you have something live on chain, people can look at the stats and they can share that and discuss that and, and you know, massage it and make their own versions. And, and that I think it's like just a whole new, game of or like platform for engagement with with your community right and and it reaches broader than pure devs in many cases previously you're sort of either you target developers or it's like a pure mainstream audience kind of but here you have this interesting sort of engaged community that doesn't need to be developers can actually add value and engage with these metrics and, and do very novel things so I think that is also very exciting that this, it's not only about devs. Of, of course, devs are doing a lot of cool things and a lot of cool things on Dune as well, but but it's not a prerequisite for, for doing useful things on Dune. I tried to learn some Python and various other things. And SQL, I think it made the most sense to me. It's like a, a non-technical person. I remember using it for like some marketing data back in the day when you have to like look up like products in a store or something like that but then using it yeah with with ethereum 
data was way, way more straightforward than I thought. And yet also the forking of other like June dashboards is awesome. Cause like, if you have a, like a, say a DeFi protocol and you want to find out what's the total value locked, you can see, oh, someone's done that already for compound, which is a savings lending platform. So, okay. It's this, this project is also a savings lending platform. I can fork that query and then I can, yeah, get in the, get the same data for this other project. So I think that's really powerful. So if a project is like they've launched, things are crazy after the first week, they're probably like, okay, now we've got to think about like how we like sustainably grow. So what's like the process for them, like starting to like use it, get set up with a June dashboard? Like how do they kind of start that process off? It, it is pretty straightforward. You you need to submit your contract so we can like turn it into a human readable format. So you give us some of the metadata, the ABI of the, the contracts you have de- deployed. And then usually we, in, in a day or so, turn that into human readable tables. And then you can write SQL on it. And, and I think the, the beauty of Dune is sort of we're not gatekeeping or deciding what you should do or not like this is all, we're a tool that lets people do the analysis that they want to do. And I think also, if you do have a community, like very often, like a community member, member Canon will create a new dashboard, or maybe you just put out the bounty. And like, if you go to our Discord, like there's a lot of folks that will will do a dashboard for, for a bounty as well. So it is usually pretty straightforward, uh, really, and... and for the most basic things, it's often also very, relatively simple queries, not that many lines of code to, to get a dashboard running. Awesome. Which projects have you seen like leverage June to build like some amazing dashboards and start to like look at that on-chain data for growth? Index Co-op did this really well quite some time ago. can't remember exactly when they launched, but maybe a year ago or so doing like index products for, for Dune. For instance, what they did really well was like they broke down their metrics by incentivized and non-incentivized. So they like saw their growth, but they also saw how much of this is like actually kind of paid for and, and understanding their customer acquisition costs, I guess. That that was pretty cool. And they've been like very, very on having analysts from the, from the early days that, that build these dashboards and show what, what composition of assets sits in these indexes and, and so forth and, and being able to break that down. So that's been really cool. They've, they've been doing this from, from the early days. One inch actually also were one of our early users. They started using Dune already back in 2019. They did cool things around sort of uh, new users versus returning users, for instance, which I think like still some of these bread and butter things for Web2 startups, I think, are still kind of a bit underutilized in, in crypto, understanding retention, understanding actual engagement. Of course, it, it varies by, by product or compound. Maybe tracking retention doesn't make that much sense because if you put in money and it's there, then, then, it's, then it's fine, right? In general, for a DEX, maybe you, know, you want people to, to trade actively or use the product actively. So being more sophisticated and then like i think one inch did this well in the early days to actually understand the breakdown on your user base who's, who's coming back what are new users and, and so forth that's been really cool to see and, and still there's some more 
more opportunity for people to go deeper in these things. Another really cool example has been these financial statements that Maker, I think, did it first, but also Nexus Mutual, Masari has made some for, for Compound now. And they are so cool because they are they look like what you know from the traditional world, from, from the like quarterly PDF, right? But the obviously kind of different thing is that they are on chain and you see, okay, here's a balance sheet, here are revenues, here are costs. And since all of these are like DAOs and operate on chain, you can actually see in real time what's happening with their financials and how much revenue they're bringing in and fees and these things. And and that that's uh, sort of the, re- the reason for my kind of post the revolution will not be reported quarterly because you have these financial statements, but they're real-time, they're collaborative, they're just SQL running on top of Dune. You can fork them, you can massage them in any way you want and remix it. And I think that was an eye-opener for a lot of people because one thing is seeing sort of the pure on-chain things, but now you can see like the traditional things, but they're actually on-chain. And that's been illuminating, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, that post is really, really interesting. So everyone should definitely go and read that. Just to quickly go back, so Index Co-op, it's, their dashboards are awesome. Maker has awesome dashboards. I remember seeing One Inch had yeah loads of interesting dashboards around yeah users, so people should go and check those out, and we'll add those in the show notes so people can uh, go and do some extra research. I remember speaking to you yeah, ages ago, and you were also talking about how you were speaking to founders, lots of different founders about Web3 data. And I guess this was when June was quite early and you were trying to understand what they're, you know, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. What are kind of the biggest mistakes you see founders or growth people making when they look at Web3 data? I think that there's still a lot of best practices from Web2 that people kind of forget sort of think that everything is so different i think maybe maybe it's actually not so different after all or like we're building a a different system and on a different stack and like with a different philosophy in many ways but at the same time doing a startup kind of getting traction getting users these things are a lot of the same as well and the same problems and i think there's like a pretty well-defined playbook in web 2 and i think still that people are a bit not embracing that enough and and being rigorous. So one one example is just like incentivizing. I mentioned how how index coop they actually track like what's incentivized or not. And I think a lot of, of protocols are not doing that. And I think that is essentially like ignoring your CAC from a startup perspective, right? Like whatever the asset is, it costs you something. If it has value and you give it out, it is a has a price, right? So even if it's a token, whatever it might be. You can see so many projects have like these insane numbers and sort of looks rare being one type of example. And and then it's like, okay, great. But if actually people are like earning money from using your product, like you should probably keep account of that and like think about how can I create a product that people will use without the incentives? And I think a lot of this is like a bit short-sighted sometimes and, and maybe it's i mean it's a fantastic way to bootstrap and, and, and grow but i think you also need to be mindful of what's the cost and how sustainable this is this and, and how is this going to work out long term and i think that is still missing in a lot of projects and maybe sort of the whole you know financial reward for using something is is in many ways a great idea if people actually put in work and actually deserve it kind of but just giving people for the sake like giving people money for the sake of 
doing it is maybe a bit short-sighted and like kind of <laughs> piss in the pants to, to, to keep warm type of thing where it's like, what do you really have here, right? You see it like with e-commerce startups in Web2, right? They they just pump ads and then they get loads of loads of users, right? Or they get loads of sales. And they say to the VCs, like, oh, look, you know, we've been growing like 10% week on week. And then you see that it's just because they've been pumping ads and giving away like, you know, 50% off to everyone. And it's like, that's not organic growth. I guess it's the same in crypto when you launch a yield farm liquidity mining thing and you're giving away millions of dollars a day. It's like, yeah, where's the organic growth? So super cool the index coop split out the, yeah, the incentivized and then the organic users. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of people in crypto in general, I think everyone is kind of a, turning a blind eye to this and not interrogating the data enough. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a byproduct of just like a lot of money floating around. Yeah, at Dune, for instance, we for our first three years of operation, we didn't spend money on marketing. Like we just focused on building something useful. And now we do some initiatives. And of course, I think we're in a unique position with how the product works and everything. It's, it's like relatively organic, how it spreads. But I think that sort of mindset around like at the end of the day, you, it's very important that you build something that's useful and it, you need to be very rigorous with yourself that that's along the way something you achieve. That I think both in terms of how you acquire users, how what retention looks like at the end of the day, you, you need to find product market fit. And that means like growth and that's uh, more or less uh, cheap and you know, people coming back. If that's not happening, you're probably not doing the right thing. We can go and we can look at every project in crypto because it's all open. And then we can see the ones that are, that do have sustainable growth. And then yeah, everyone can do with that data, whatever they want. You know, a lot of what you see on Dune is relatively product oriented, but in terms of product traction, but I think that is also underestimated and underappreciated as a investment strategy because as this space matures, like any sort of assets or industries, like you need a product or business that actually works, that someone wants, right? That's what you want to invest in. And that is what you can see on Dune, whether someone actually uses this stuff, right? If you think about like stock analysts or whatever it might be, at the end of the day, what they care about is like, is this a business that's, that works? One thing is building products, but another thing is investing in these things. And if you actually are intent to stick around longer than like a couple of weeks and actually do some long-term investing, you probably should make yourself familiar with like how they're actually doing and how that stacks up against competition and that you can see real time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like pure bottom line metrics. You see everything as it is. There's no like, yeah, we got 100,000 social media followers. There's none of this like vanity stuff. It's like, this is how the protocol's operating. Yeah, yeah. I've heard actually that in some cases, like some founders have like wanted to take down dashboards because their metrics are sort of not not in line with their hype. So yeah. (laughs) That's inconvenient. I mean, they should probably spend less time worrying about that and more time working on the business but you know you have these june wizards and they're like your your analysts right so you're working on ways to bring more of those into into web3 how are you going about that do you have any programs or yeah is that educational resources 
So there's been a few programs. There was an amazing course this autumn led by Andrew Hong that works at Mirror. He actually initiated that. He's, he's fantastic. He's, he's not working at Dune. So he, he actually created this fantastic course that, that's now open sourced and out there where he gathered, I think it was like eight of our top users uh, came on and, and did sessions. So that was really cool. So that's out there. We also are working on more and more educational material and try to you know, make it easy for people from different backgrounds to to actually get into it. And uh, maybe you know a little bit of smart contracts, maybe you know a little bit of SQL and your bridge to different worlds. There are a few courses and it's certainly, there are no sort of, skills you actually need beforehand taking it like sql sql 101 course can be useful there's a ton of those out there but actually you, you don't really need to be if you don't like have a business background or anything like that you could get started with you in a week basically and so many people have done this and actually become very prominent for their doing dashboards without even being developers at all. So it's more accessible than people think. And also the, um, the Dune community and Discord is extremely productive and helpful and constructive. So people help each other out. If you have questions about a query, there's usually someone to, to reply. So it's more accessible than people think in general. I think like the metrics are actually more accessible than people think and, and very useful. And also using Dune can seem a bit intimidating because it's code per se, but if you actually give it a go, it is pretty accessible and there's a lot of educational resources and help to get and even bounties to pick up to sort of incentivize you to to, to try to make something specific. How do you kind of see the Web3 space, Web3 data space growing? Like Web3 data is still... It's kind of annoying when everyone keeps saying, oh, we're so early, we're so early. But I genuinely do feel like June was extremely early to the trend. And now people are starting to realize like, holy shit, this is really powerful. How do you see like the space growing? We're growing quickly and many folks in the space are growing quickly. I think it's like getting more recognized as, as something that's very useful and you know more people can leverage. I think it's uh, still relatively early in the sense that it's still hard, hard-ish hard to do at least a fair amount of deeper things. We're working a lot on having more data sets and having them cleaner. And, and I think also as, especially throughout this year, there's going to be more layers and more chains and sort of it's going to be a more complex, heterogeneous environment for where the data is actually created and running. So that is something that we sort of we think of our role as sort of trying to lower the barrier for as many people as possible to go as deep as they want in this data. So a big thing for us is getting all the chains and making it actually possible to traverse all of these chains and, and query it in one place, which is very much non-trivial to achieve, but very powerful once you get it as like sort of multi-chain becomes bigger and bigger. I think it's like a big part of the narrative right now. But if you look at the data, it's still like, not that many people are actually bridging out of uh, Ethereum layer one or, or the layer ones. So I think that is going to be very important. And once we sort of can actually analyze across, I think it's very interesting for the industry to sort of see which systems will persist and be used because now it's still relatively theoretical and sort of beta test net type of uh, stage. Um, so, yeah, and I think also just as we touched upon initially, 
this like open data opportunity is just so much bigger than any data company we've ever seen. It's just such a massive difference between being B2B and siloed and paywalled as like most kind of data experiences has been previously to actually just having all the raw data open. Everybody's like working together and on top of each other. And I think the reach on top of that, again, is like way bigger. Like you can get millions and millions of page views. People look at this like we we have a lot of eyeballs on Dune, for instance, right? So there's just like all these aspects to it that make it so much more powerful. And I think that also as an opportunity as this space grows, going to like turn into something that's way bigger than financial data as we know it. So, yeah. So it's going to be huge then. It's going to be bigger than... Or financial data it's going to be absolutely huge we have some work to do but yeah it's it, it's i think it's a big deal yeah yeah we've obviously seen the way ethereum is growing as this like financial base layer and yeah, as you said all these new chains springing up it's it's not stopping having a tool that can pass through this insane amount of data that's open is going to be it's going to be awesome so one question i ask everyone on this show is if you could be the CMO of any company in Web3, which one would it be? I'm guessing you know which companies are growing pretty fast because you have all the data there at your fingertips. We all do, but you, you've you probably seen it. Yeah, is there a company you'd like to be the CMO of if you could choose anyone? If you're going to be a CMO in, in crypto, you have to be good with the memes. I think uh, Rainbow Wallet are doing pretty well on the meme front. So so maybe there that would be like a good challenge to to keep the, the meme level up there and, and do all kinds of weird, weird, weird marketing stunts uh, across the interwebs to to grow that product. So yeah, I'll, I'll pick that one. Absolutely. I think one of your one of your first tasks would be to get rappers more ENS names, right? I think they are... <laughs> yeah, and don't fucking lose them to, to Coinbase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is truly great uh, growth marketing though. Yeah, growth hacking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, they, they all got an airdrop, right? People who had the NS got an airdrop as well. So it was like growth hacking. And then, you know, they probably love you even more because if they got that ENS name before the airdrop date, they got the ENS airdrop. Thank you so much. So how can people get in touch with you? So I am Haga ETC on Twitter, H-A-G-A ETC as in et cetera, where I'm some, sometimes active. We're on at Dune Analytics on Twitter. We have a very active Discord. If you want to learn more, engage with the Dune community, our docs are full of tutorials and ideas to get started. And then, yeah, dune.xyz. We have uh, several thousand dashboards you can look at and explore and fork and remix and make your own and uh, so forth. So, yeah, it's all about having fun and exploring data. And it's all out there. So no, no one's stopping you from just checking it out and uh, doing your thing. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate that. All the notes, all the projects we talked about will be in the show notes. Subscribe and see you soon. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Growing Web 3. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hypepartners forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening again. And be sure to hit subscribe to listen to new episodes first. Growing Web 3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web 3 organizations. Hype is a global agency 
of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more.